Jamie, are you okay? A podcast dedicated to disc golf and other things. This is your host, Alex, and I'm here with Josh. What's up, guys? So, the first part of this is going to be our interview segment. So here we go. We uh, are going to interview each other. I'm going to start by asking you, Alex, how did you first fall in love with disc golf? How did I first fall in love with disc golf? Yeah. I think I first fell in love with disc golf because I have a love of hiking. You know, we live in Florida, and there's not a lot to really hike around in. That's sort of what I was thinking. I'm thinking hiking. Well, Florida is kind of like a sand pit. It's kind of like... Yeah. I mean, the hiking you do here, you could technically do it flip-flops. Yes. Not recommended. I mean... Albeit, but you're not going to get, like, frostbite. Yeah. You might get alligator alligator bite. You might get an alligator bite. But, yeah, so... Sorry, sorry. So you were saying you first fell in love with disc golf because of your love of hiking. Being outdoors and we're here in Florida, there's not a lot of good hiking. Yeah, so there's not good hiking. It was just a, it was a way for me to get out into nature. Like, having the added part of the disc golf made it a satisfactory replacement for hiking. And at some point, because it's like hiking, yeah, because you hike, you have to hike through the woods. Right. And the great thing is, once you leave the you know Florida into another state and you go play a disc golf course and there, it's you real are hiking, hiking yeah. and you're playing disc golf, and, and you, it's pretty amazing at that. And point. you can't do it in flip flops. No, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, no, okay. But uh, yeah, so Florida's that's unique. Where I got my love for it. What about you? Uh well, I was living in Wisconsin. And there's a disc golf course uh, on the campus in Kenosha for, like, the University of Wisconsin, Kenosha. I don't know what it was called. Mm -hmm. There was a college there. I never even went into the college or, like, looked or anything. I just went to the disc golf course. I didn't know what disc golf was. My girlfriend at the time was like, hey, you should, uh, I've got it. I want to show you something. It's called Frisbee golf. And I went. I'm sorry, dude. You said frisbee golf, and she's like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna go." You know, like Barb and Waylon and us, we're all gonna go out there and we're gonna play this game. It's gonna be fun. And I'm like, you know, I'd rather like sit she's here in and... space. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I wanted to like play some video games. She was like, "No, trust me, you're gonna, you're really gonna like this. You don't have a lot to do." Anyways, it's summer. It's like the three days that you had to go outside. So we. <laughs> Sorry, I said days. Three months or whatever. Yeah. Wisconsin's a different world. Anyways, we go out to this place. <laughs> we, we go to this parking lot. I'm like, in my head, I have no... I'm picturing all this stuff. Like, are we going to take our clubs and hit Frisbees and like see if we can roll them down a hill? Or what is this Frisbee golf? And she's got these discs. And they're like different. They're smaller. They're harder. There's a couple different shapes. She's explained it to me. I'm not really getting it right we walk out there and I'm I'm kind of confused because we walk up and there's this cement pad on the ground and they're like standing there and she's like okay this is where we're going to throw our frisbees at and I'm like okay throw these okay she's like you want to start with the driver and you want to throw over there and like I couldn't from where I could from where I was I couldn't see the basket there was like a downhill slope and like this big oak and there was like I get thinking back I could figure out how I was going to throw it right but it had like mm-hmm. a big left hand hyzer route um, and then like a little path that, on the other side of the tree, but there was bushes here. And when you get around the corner, that's where the basket was, but you couldn't see it from the tee. So I couldn't see it. I didn't know what I was throwing at. Probably luckily, because if I had seen the basket, I would have been like, that is the, what the fuck? 
is that thing? Which is essentially <laughs> what happened when I came around the corner. You want me to throw it back? Right. And, you know, I'm missing and I'm misthrowing and I'm throwing like 100 feet. And we, we get to the first four, five, four holes, right? And we get up to like the tee pad for the fifth hole. And there's a little cutout and a bench. And it's in like a thicket of trees. Mm-hmm. You could, there's marker and a disc charger and all this stuff there, right? And we sit and we... And, and I'm, I'm, mind you, I'm having a great time. But I didn't fall in love with it. And, you know, you get into that different place, that different mind frame, right? The world becomes a little more magical. And I took my Frisbee, right? And mind you guys, I'm, I'm very interested in the supernatural, the paranormal, UFOs, Sasquatch, all that kind of cool stuff. I think it's cool. <laughs> all that kind of cool stuff. That stuff that I think, that I cool. think is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, so I take this little piece of circular plastic and I give it a throw and it's the best throw of my day of the day right it just takes this natural little Anheuser like that beginning throw when you put too much on it it's a lighter disc it kind of floats off fades a bit before it comes back in but to me it was beautiful mm-hmm. and I like envisioned and it went kind of close to the basket and I, I to me it was like launching a UFO I had this funny thought that I was like launching UFOs at a like space station and they had to like land and dock Right, mm. and it made the game a lot more enjoyable for me, and it was one of those things that we kept doing, and I, I, I fell in love with it. That's how I fell in love with disc golf. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. So, like, so I understand why you fell in love with disc golf, but, you know, what was what was the first time? What was your cherry? Dude, I don't remember. Wow. Whore. You're a disc golf whore. Look at you hear that, guys? <laughs> he has banged so many chains... He can't remember his first one. Typical nope. male. Of which I was know. Was it with so. you? You know? Was it good for me? It was no. Was it with you? Did I go out with you the first time? I don't know. Was it? I don't know. Did you play disc golf before Florida? No. Then it I was mean, probably with me. Probably with me and Ryan. I guess I guess I'd uh, experienced it when I went to boarding school for a while where we would actually like throw frisbees at... Oh, like a frisbee, frisbee, not like yeah. You take a frisbee disc. and throw it at targets, basically, right? I mean, this is in Asheville, North oh. Carolina, before Asheville became a real city, kind of. So it was quite boring, and um, you made the games. You know, you, you did what you could. To you make did what yourself you could. Entertained. So well, yeah, you got ultimate, which is another. But way it was all out in the middle of you know, it was all wooded, so it was great. You could go out to the woods and so you already had to try and figure out. out lines yeah you did exactly cool yeah so that i mean that would be my first experience of having disc golf but it was it was many many years since that point before i actually tried disc golf yeah personally i didn't really start playing much disc golf i played while i was dating that girl i don't even remember what first discs i had or well hey look i broke up with her moved back to florida didn't play Right, I had my discs. I had a little bag. I had like five, six discs. My buddy gets back from from his deployment in the army, Ryan, and he's like, "Did you know there was a disc golf course over here?" And I was like, "What?" Because I was explaining to him, I'm like, "Dude, I learned about this game. You never, you wouldn't believe it, dude. It's called disc golf. It's lots of fun." And he's like, "Yeah, there's a course right, like right over here, and it was water tower." So then I played a bunch. Then I just kept playing. Yeah, I I Honestly. cannot think of like it's just not even there. I have no clue. All right. So, welcome to this week's review on discs. Um, 
we've all fallen in love with disc golf in one way. Or and another. Then, or another, yes. <laughs> um, but along in those times that we have fallen in, love, um, fallen in love with disc golf, we've also fallen in love with discs. Yeah, um, well, it's they go part and parcel. They're hand in hand. You can't fall in love with disc golf without falling in love with discs. You can't be like a basket lover. I mean, you, you can, but that would just be a completely no. different... I, well, no, I don't think that's true. Because, for instance, I did a crew rowing, and I fell in love with rowing because of the form of it. And actually, disc golf, I like a lot of that, too. When you Fair get... Point into this beautiful form. It's incredibly graceful. It's slow and it's graceful and you can see it just whips right at the end. Right, yeah, exactly. It, it snaps yeah. right in the end. You can see the whole line of the power pocket. Everything is in motion in conjunction. And when it gets to that point, it just boom, pow, shoots it out. It's just yeah, it, but it's beautiful. But it's, we're not throwing cauliflower. Anyways, yeah, we love discs. Yeah, this one. What is one of your favorite discs? Well, one of my top five. See, we talked about having a top five disc review. And one of my top five is the Discmania FD. Uh, some people may call it the Jackal. Those people would be Discmania. That's what <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I don't think I've ever heard anybody call it the Jackal. But sure, I'll take your word for it. It's up there on their website, right? I've always called it the FD. You're right. Maybe nobody calls it the I've Jackal. Heard the f- <laughs> no, yeah, the FD. That shirt left me effed. The FD. No, nobody says effed. No. That, do they? So the FD, while it may seem that the F and the FD stand for? Frank Deplin, the guy who invented it. Anyways, ah. he was a jackal. He would tote people over the line from Mexico <laughs> into California, and he would do it by pretending he was playing a game of disc golf. At the border. He's like, oh, I didn't... Really? Is there a line here? Huh. <laughs> no way. Anyways, and like people are running behind him. He's got a blanket up. Anyways. <laughs> but most people think, those that don't know the history, think that the F and the D stand for fairway driver, which it is. Interesting. It is, and oddly enough, coincidentally, it is a fairway driver. Coincidentally. <laughs> the wow. FD is a speed seven, glide six, minus one turn... And a one fade. Wow, that's pretty high glide. It's got a high glide. It's not the highest glide. No. There is one higher. There is. There always is. There always there's, is. There's always a bigger one disc. One to beat the others. There's always a bigger disc. In the Latitude the 64 River. So it's glide, but it's glide is seven. So it's yeah. a seven and a seven. So this is a seven with six glide, which is a pretty high glide rating. It's got a negative one turn. So it's it's going to stay pretty stable. You put it on a tiny bit of Anheuser. You don't really expect it to flip up to flat. It's it's a very controllable disc. Yeah. This is, as we said, one of my top five discs. So this is a disc that I have experience uh, throwing. And the fade being one means that when it finishes, it's not going to turn a lot for me to the right because I'm left-handed. Uh, so when it fades, it's not going to fade far. It's reliable in that I can take it down a straight path. I can flick it down a straight path. It holds that torque pretty well as well, still with a minimal amount of fade. Uh, it's not the greatest disc for Anheuser's, but whatever line you put it on, it's going to hold it. 
It does have a lot of glide. It can float pretty far. And for, for beginners uh, and even for pros, having a higher glide is nice because you can increase the length of flight as long as you have the correct arm speed, right? Mm, yep. If you have too much arm speed, a higher glide rating means that disc is going to shoot straight up in the air instead of increasing the flight. Now, typically when a disc flies, it's going to spin for a certain amount of time. And when it stops spinning, then it's going to glide. And when it's done gliding, it'll fade and hit the ground. So with a minus one, or sorry, with a, with a six glide, this disc is going to continue its flight for a long time after it's done spinning. And it's going to fade minimally because the fade is a one. Great beginner disc. Are all the discs, like, you know, if you, I throw mostly Discmania, you know, Latitude Trilogy disc, anyways. There's always the baseline plastic, which sucks, but is, you know, what it is. It helps you kind of learn the disc if you want to. Eventually, you'll hit a lot of trees and make that thing stable. Understable is all. And then you can, you know, obviously in, in the upper upper plastics, it gets better. Is that the same the with... The quality of the plastic that they use for the disc. Yeah. I mean, I do know that it can, like, the, the way it's molded makes a difference. Interestingly enough that you'd say that, this week uh, uh, we're going to be talking about how... The, the mold and the type of plastic that a disc has can affect the disc's flight. So, but we'll talk about that later. Yes, the FD comes in actually four types of plastic. It comes in the D-line plastic, which is the baseline. It's going to be real grippy, but it's also going to get beat up quick. Uh, it doesn't hold its shape as well. It gets beat in a lot quicker. You've got the C-line, which is like champion plastic. It's usually the see-through. It's a little bit better. It's going to last longer. It's a lot more durable. And then you have the S-line and the G-line, which are these higher, glossier discs that are going to hold... You could you could ping a tree from 10 feet, which we've all done once or twice, mm-hmm. and it's going to maintain its form. You know, matter of fact, I had a disc mania disc that I absolutely loved. It was in a baseline plastic, and I errantly threw it as hard as I could into a tree 10 feet in front of me and literally bent it into a 90-degree angle. The plastic didn't break. It was great plastic for that. However, it never went back to, to its original form. Uh, it got donated to my son, actually, who then donated it to a lake. Yes. So um, experienced players are really going to enjoy the reliability and the straight flat shots that the FD has to offer. Um, if you want to put it on a, a real large arcing hyzer line, it's going to hold that line. It's got some stable turnovers. If you if you give it enough power, it's going to fade off a little bit for me to the left, for right-hand player to the right, before it finally finishes back basically to wherever you're aiming. It's pretty li- reliable. Seven speed. You don't need a lot of arm speed to get it to perform the way it's supposed to. What, what plastic was that disc? Which disc? The one that I throw? Oh, yeah, that, your FD that you have. Uh, well, I have two C-line FDs. And I think I have an uh, S-Line FD, the, the Huck Lab. Uh, is that a C-Line or is that an S-Line? I don't know. I think it might be it S-Line, actually. I think it might be S-Line. I don't know. I've got a lot that. of S-Line MD3s. Is there like a C-Line, like Metal Flake? Because it's not yeah, really mean, the rubbery type of feel of uh, S-Line. Like but S-line it's, is but like it's not the clear. Slick. It's not like the clear... C-Line. The C-Line is, like is typically a clear plastic. It might be. Kind of like the Titan Wraith. The Shadow Titan. God damn. Yeah, yeah. What is that? The Titan Shadow? Shadow, Shadow Titan. Yeah, yeah. 
Forgive Shadow. me, whoever named that disc, and it's such a brilliant name. Samuel so Samuel. easy to say. Oh, you're gonna fucking uh, freaking <laughs> try and try and defeat me by just using calling out the name of Simon. Oh, you want to make fun of the name? Guess who made it? Simon. Oh, well, Simon. Your very like favorite player. I have a hard time remembering the name in the correct order. I always call it something. In fact, my son, for some reason, completely misunderstood. I don't know. He was like, Dad, can I put, throw the disc that has the fairy on it? And I was like, the fairy? I don't have a disc with a fairy on it. And he's like, yeah. It's like this. And I think the Shadow Titan? That thing's got like a skull face and horns and flames. How did you see a... Son, maybe you need some glasses. Yeah, he's got his arms out, but how in the world did you see a fairy there? His face is literally a skull with horns and fire. Shadow Titan, Titan Wraith, Shadow Wraith Titan something. Simon, it's a great di- that's a great disc, by the way. We should re- I should review that. Oh, what? The Shadow Titan. Dude, don't make me say the name again. I don't know. Shadow Titan, Titan Wraith, Shadow Wraith. Was mm, it like that? The Huck Lab, the D, the FD, Swirl Line. It might be a Swirl Line. It's that kind of purplish plastic, except yeah. the Huck Lab design is around the whole top of the disc. I think it's Swirl Line, Swirl S Line. Now, interestingly enough, and this is what will lead us into our next segment, that FD, unlike my C Line, I've got two C Line FDs, which are very reliable and consistently stable. Now, I've got this Huck Lab. You know, your FD, your FD is really hard, isn't it? Both of my C-lines are, but this one is, is a little bit softer. It, it's durable uh, as all get out, but it's it's not see-through. It's not as hard. It's it's grippier a little bit in the hands, but it's definitely not a D-line no. plastic. Right. But it's a Huck Lab plastic, and that when I throw that disc, it's actually a bit more understable. So I can, I can do a good left hand backhand and expect it to hold right a little bit more or I can aim a tad bit more left and expect it to finish a little bit more right still has that straight dependability that you can expect out of the FD but because it's a different plastic than the C line it's going to behave differently and that's what we'll talk about in our next segment Alex is over here sitting next to me hosting fantastically Flipping through his phone. Sorry, are we boring you? Would you actually no? I will tell you exactly why I was <laughs> flipping through my phone. Actually, oh. I was thinking about it, and I think I either got you the FD or I told you about the FD originally. You, I, you told me about all the discs. You helped me build my bag. I oh, used okay. to play a very mixed bag, mostly a Nova. Of course, I had a Buzz or two. Had a Jawbreaker. Uh, well, that's plastic. A GT banger, right? With the thumb groove or groove thumb. Why do they call it GT? Groove thumb? Thumb groove. Why did they, they didn't want to call it TG banger? Uh, the GT yeah. is any disc that groove. has that, right? Yeah. They've got a GT buzz that I, I've seen, but I've never thrown. That's interesting. I bet our buddy Carrie would like that. But uh, yeah, I played with a mixed bag and then decided that I wanted to... I, yeah, you... In fact, what happened was you gave me a CD2, which is a control disc. It's a fantastic disc. CD2, control, it, you can do anything with that disc. But that's for another segment as well. We'll do another disc review on that. But you got me a CD2, and I threw that, and I decided that I want to play with a different bag. And of course, yeah, maybe it had something to do with Simon Lazat or Eagle McMahon or no, any... Yeah. No, no. See, but I think, I, here's we the rebuilt thing. my bag to Discmania. Now I throw 90... No. 6%. I remember why 
And, and here's and that's fact, why I started looking through here. The reason why I had recommended it was is I had remembered, or I hadn't remembered, I'd seen somewhere like on Reddit, you know, I don't know where I'd seen it because I can't find it. I'm not searching for it. Well, you should but have done that before this. Wow. I had, well, the thing is, is I hadn't <laughs> remembered that about this. And I don't know if you know, if, if you remember either, but the second run FD was special. I've heard something about that. FD. There's a legend about this, like, second run FD. Here's one. Right they here. use some kind that of plastic. Is on rack. Yeah. And it's a sea line, and the way that it's molded, the it, has it the ends bubbles. up bubbles inside the rim. And oh. it's a and it's a really, really hard to get disc. Well, it's hard to get disc, but it's harder than your right usual run of a sea line FD. Like if well, they're how, stiffer. How hard the plastic is doesn't actually affect on this one it does, buddy. No, it's, no, it's it's I know, I know. Here's the thing that I know, guys, fellas, ladies, gentlemen, <laughs> that Alex, I guess, doesn't, is that, or no, but he probably does, he's a smart guy. I know exactly why that's different. I know exactly why it's different. Because of its cool rate, the way that it cool. It's cool characteristic. You want to talk about some Brody Smith? Some yeah. Simon Lazard and Paul Macbeth trio with Hannah Macbeth. So a, a second trains. run, a second run really FD fun has hard. better glide. Uh, it's straighter with a more forward fade and much better glide. More forward fade. Yeah, this this guy forward fade, huh? Interesting. Yeah. So it throws sort of like a Nova, but as a fairway driver. Forward Is that how fade? a Nova goes? It finishes forward. That would be a forward fade, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. Finishing forward, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. So this was a. Uh, so somebody was asking, Reddit was asking, what was the difference between an FD two and a second run FD? And Mister Blacktastic uh, was saying he'd thrown both, had both in the back. FD two's first run, which he'd heard of, was is more stable than later runs. The FD two is almost overstable. Has no speed, high speed turn, and a nice fade, not a ton of glide. Second run FDs are a lot straighter with a more forward fade and much better glide. So there you go. I'm sorry. Did someone think that an FD2 meant that it was the second run of the FD? No, no, no. They got, they just had both in their bag. An FD and an FD2 or two FDs? No, they had a second run FD Uh and an FD. Two in their bag for you know different reasons. So they said the FD two is almost overstable. It has no high speed turn and a nice fade, but not a ton of glide. Whereas the second run FDs are a lot straighter with a more forward fade and much better glide. So they know it's like a far. It's a very straight, far flying shot. I like the forward. Whereas finish. the FD two is a much more overstable. The uh, FD2 is a much more overstable. It's got less, a higher a fade than the FD. Yeah. And there's a legendary FD with, like practically no second turn, run, which FD is a minus one. And is FD2 not the FD2 because the FD2 is a completely different disc. But the FD that is the D plastic, the C plastic, and the S and G plastic, I'm going to put those together in the same category because they're very similar plastics. Not similar enough that I think it would affect their cool characteristics, but 
the different plastics and the way they cool are going to make each disc fly a little bit differently. All right, to conclude the disc review of the Discmania FD, also known as the Jackal by few, uh, it's a seven-speed, six-glide, negative one-turn, one-fade disc. It's good for beginners because it will hold a long flight, having a long glide rating. It's reliable. It's straight, having a one-fade. It's almost a forward fade in the way that for left-hand players, it's going to slightly fade right, and for right-hand players, it's going to slightly fade left comes in four different plastics, changes the, the flight slightly. Pros are for uh, intermediates and people that have faster arm speed. It's still going to be a good, reliable disc that you want to throw softly. This is not a disc you want to throw high because of its high glide rating. You increase the speed, it's going to shoot up in the air. But uh, more experienced players can use it for fairway shots that they really want to rely on the line that they've picked. Does it have another disc? Uh, it only has one fade, right? Only has one fade. Only has one fade. So it's like a, a left forward fade? For a right hand player, yes. Or a, yeah, or a right forward fade for a... Yeah, it's slight. Or a forward fade with a slight turn. It's forgiving. So for beginners, it's forgiving. You can get a lot more distance. It gives the illusion of more distance than you'd expect for a seven-speed disc. If you, like, so if you, I'm curious, like, if you popped, if you if you threw it, you know, across your test and popped it up just a little bit, say, say the peak of the flight was maybe 20 feet in the air. Yes. And then when it got to the point where it would do its fade, does it, does it cut dramatically straight down or does it glide itself out oh it settles it glides itself out it's got it a does. longer glide yeah okay it's got a high glide rating so it's gonna settle yeah but on the right? yeah so on the so it if it has a high if fade. it has a high fade rating then it doesn't really it, it's if it has a high fade rating then it's going to fade hard for right hand players it's gonna fade hard left when it's done gliding yeah far far but right as far or as even like a flare, something like a DDX. Sometimes when you think so, if you have a straight one, it might glide smaller in its turn to settle, or it might cut really hard and basically cut straight into the ground. Does does it cut straight on ground, or does it kind of glide itself out? The FD, yeah, glides itself out. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's curious. It's good. It's a good disc. It's it's similar in beginner style discs. Like I would recommend as a beginner to get yeah. an FD, the same as I would recommend for them to get an Innova uh, Valkyrie. Think of it like that. Like the the thing about who you yeah, would give a Valkyrie, Valkyrie well, to. Well, Valkyrie is a nine. I think it's a nine five minus two minus two. Hmm. Again, not the disc we're reviewing, people. <laughs> no. No, but not. I brought it up. That's so. Here's the thing. Yes, absolutely. But what I mean is, in the way that it's forgiving. To beginners, in the way that a Valkyrie is forgiving oh, to beginners. Actually, the FD is forgiving, but the, it's straighter. I believe a Leopard, because a Leopard is considered to be one of the. Uh, a, le- the leopard. a Leopard is considered to be a really good beginner disc. It's in a lot of the starter packs. It is in a lot of the starter yeah. packs. So I, I think that's got similar um, numbers as well, similar to the FD. 6.5 minus 2, 1. So a little slower, less glidey, more turn, more understable. Kind of similar. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean with the FD. 
It's a, I like that type of throw. I think it's a, it makes for a good utility disc. You can, you can do a lot with that type of disc. Yeah. So that concludes my disc review of the Discmania FD, seldomly called Jackal. We just got done with that disc review. Uh, and, you know, I was talking about that FD second run. And the thing that makes that interesting is how the plastic has the bubbles all spread through the rim of the disc, right? Which is different yeah. than other sea lines. There's so all disc companies use what's called a um, injection process into the mold to make these discs. Right. They inject so they melt these plastic beads down. Yeah. Uh, until it becomes hot enough to inject into this mold, and then they let it cool to the point where it's cool enough to to still maintain its form, and they pop it out of the mold. At that point, it continues to cool. That's what we're going to talk about here, the cool characteristics and how different plastics affect different flights. We know that there's all kinds of different things that can make the different plastics that, that you use, a D-Line, Pro, X, Pro X, mm-hmm. A lot of the baseline plastics, they're softer, they're grippier, but if you hit a tree, you can see the damage right away. You get a midline, a C-line, a champion, something like that type of plastic. You're going to hit a tree, it's going to maintain its form a little bit longer. They've used a different type of plastic. It's see-through. You get up to the higher plastics, the G-line, the G-star, the star, the S-line. These plastics hold, maintain their form. It takes a lot longer for them to get beat in. And interestingly right. enough, that's how the different types of plastics affect the different flights that you'll get from having the same disc in different types of plastics. You can get a D-line, a baseline plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's soft, it's grippy, it's six bucks. Right? You think, okay, yeah. I can replace this easy. D- but DX. DX, yeah. yeah. Uh, Prime Blend and Trilogy, I think, or for Dynamic, and I know it's Prime. Um yeah, everybody's got a baseline plastic. Baseline plastic, right? Baseline plastic. So what happens is at the very pinnacle of the disc, right, where the top of the disc goes out to the edge and the edge starts to go in to the inside of the mold, starts to go down, right? At mm-hmm. the peak of that, that line is called the separation line. Right. And depending on where that line is, the more stable or understable a disc will be. So as a disc cools, mm-hmm. it goes from having a flat top when it comes out of the mold, the edges, the thick part, essentially the rim of the disc, as it cools, it straightens out, right? It folds in. Oh. And so that separation line comes down so as it like pulls in and it gets domier. Compresses almost. Right, because it's shrinking. Yeah. Its cool characteristics are also a shrink characteristic. Oh, it's going from a solid to... Or it's going from a liquid Liquid to solid. solid. So as it's shrinking and cooling, it's shrinking. And the outside edges pull in. Now, on the the lower plastic, it might come out with the same mold and the same separation line as the C-line plastic. But you hit a tree two or three times, or the ground 15 times... And it's going to deform. And that separation line is going to change and make it more unstable. Right? Right. That's why when you hit a tree, we always go, oh, that unstable. Right? Oh, it's unstable now. It's understable now. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the higher end plastics, they cool differently. 
So sometimes that separation line is higher because it's almost as though it's built over stable as how it cools. And as it beats in, it's beat in version, right? As that separation line comes down from getting beaten in, it's, it's beat in version is the actual mold that you want the disc to be. And since it's a more durable plastic, once it gets to that point... It's there. Right. So it's smart. But that's why if you get an S-Line turning driver, TDX, uh, it's going to be super overstable at first. Because its separation line is higher Mm -hmm. than the same separation line of a TDX in a C-Line plastic because its cool characteristics are different. That's kind of weird still, though. Okay. So some people think that a rounder dome implies more stability, right? Because of the how it helps with lift and torque and flight. Uh, that's actually wrong. The, the dominess can be a gauge of stability, but the rounder dome doesn't necessarily imply the, st- the stability. According to Dave Dunapace, a more reliable marker is the parting line height, which is the separation line on the nose of the disc, right? The higher the separation line, the less shrink, meaning the less turnover that the disc has, or the higher that its stability at it has. So the, the the less turnover that a disc has, the more resistant it is to torque. The higher the separation line, the less shrink. So the separation line is the difference of the, so the, when you put a, a line between the farthest edge, the farthest edge, that midpoint, it's how much is the difference of what is above it and below it? Yes. So you have from the top of the disc to the very, very edge of the disc. And then you have from the edge of the disc to the very, very pinnacle of the rim. So from the bottom, you would think you would go from the rim out to the furthest edge, and then from the furthest edge up to the top of the disc. That line where those two planes meet is the separation line. So if you were to cut a disc in half and you were to look at it from the side, the line where the bottom edge meets the top edge. So from the bottom of the rim out to the tip of the the disc, and then from the tip of the disc back up to the the top of the disc, right? Like uh, like the side of a UFO, the thing that the blade curves up. It's the top of the disc is the very like basically midpoint. Right, but what we're looking at here, and so a lot of people think that dominus is what affects flight because the disc starts off flat, but as it cools, it becomes domier. Right. So and as it becomes domier, that that separation line moves from up here uh, a little bit higher and more overstable to down here a little bit more understable or stable as it cools because that edge is going to pull in it's going to make the top domier but certain plastics i thought it became more overstable as it shrinks in like that the less the less it shrinks the more understable right so the higher the separation line the less of the shrink so the shrink is what happens as it cools the higher the separation line the less that the disc has shrunk because as it shrinks, that separation line moves closer to the ground. I find this very interesting. So the thing here is I don't understand how the pinnacle of the disc comes into play. Like I understand that the separation line would basically be at the point where, you know, the far, where the edge is between where the edge is that separates the bottom from the top, kind of the 
runs through the middle of the disc, mm-hmm. like the, the the separation line of those two areas, the hemispheres. Essentially, right, the, the tip of the nose of the disc. But at some point, you were talking about the difference. Um, the dominus, the dominus of the disc. Some people think that the dominus can imply or gauge the stability of the disc. Yeah. That's where the apex comes into play. So what that has to do is the cooling or the shrinkage of, of that, how that plastic shrinks when it cools. So think of it like uh, this. The so top the- of the disc when it comes out of the mold is flat. And as it cools, it shrinks, which causes the bottom or the rim, the, the rim to... The circle that is a rim is going to become smaller in diameter as it shrinks because the edges are going to pull in. And as it pulls in, the top of the disc is going to turn. So your CD2 and your FD have similar numbers, but the difference is lesser glide and higher speed. Is that correct? I don't know the numbers of the CD2 offhand, do you? I think it's it's 10.5 minus 1 minus 1. Okay. So it has less glide. So... Based on your example, it would also, so the FD would be domier, a little domier than the CD2. It would probably also have a wider rim, which would be so, the different, so the wider rim creates the larger speed. The so, base, so that with the separation line, the things that are below it. That width, width of the rim, or width the, the of base, the rim, the, ba- the base of the rim, yeah. the highest width of the disc, the part where your fingers wrap around. Uh huh. Right. Um, yes. the The length of the rim and how much weight is in the rim, as opposed to what's in the center, absolutely does affect the way that a disc. Yeah, it's uh, a nine five minus flies. one two. That's something we can talk about on another episode of the disc physics. Well, right now we're talking about how it, uh, the plastic cools. Now, from the website or from the YouTube channel that I looked at, uh, which we'll leave links for, what they said is that people think that the dominus can be a gauge of stability, but that's not at all what they think you should be relying on. The dominus, like you were noticing, sticks out because it's not actually a factor. Yeah. What is a factor is how far the distance is between the base of the the rim, where it touches the ground, and how far the nose of the rim is from the ground, right? Regardless of the, the width of the disc, if you were to take that bottom line and turn it into a triangle, mm-hmm. right? The, the distance of side C, right? The, the You know what I mean? The shortest yeah. triangle. It ended up being a right triangle. The right triangle, right? And the, the, the shortest... would basically be from the end there to from the... From the tip of the nose... To the base of the rim, then you've got the floor the level, baseline, the baseline, and then the difference between the difference between that is the separation line. Okay. And the higher that that separation line is, the less turnover or the more stable that a disc is going to be. Okay. So the higher the nose on your disc, the higher the stability. Okay. The lower the disc. So when you hit a tree, you're lowering that line. You're bending the disc in even more. That's yeah. why it becomes understable. So I imagine your DD3 probably has a higher, it's, it's, it's got a greater uh, height between A higher base, separation line. Yeah, a higher separation line than like your CD2. Yes. Yes. Because it is more overstable. Correct. Now, it, thinking in line with that, yeah. 
the D-line plastic, right? The baseline plastic of any disc is going to lower or decrease its separation line more quickly because it's going to lose its form and turn in as you beat it up. Right. And that's why it's going to become quickly understable. The, the middle range plastic is going to retain its forms for longer, so it's going to take a lot longer to beat in uh, to, to it being understable. It right. can handle more wear and tear. And the higher plastics, sometimes, like we were discussing with the CDX, are even built so that they're so stable that you have to beat them in first uh-huh. for them to maintain the the mold that you want them to be in. You want the separation line to be exactly where it's intended to be for the perfect flight for the design of that, that disc. So the higher-end plastics, when you buy them, you might realize, shoot, I have to beat this in. But because it's a higher-end plastic, it might take you a year before you beat it in. Right. And that's a year of consistent playing, so don't just leave it sitting in your bag unless you want that higher stability. Yeah, maybe you don't want to have it beat in. Right. You know? Right, exactly. But so then that will help in choosing the type of plastic that you use or the type of plastic that you buy. Right. I would say just take your disc out, lay it on a flat surface, and look at the difference between the separation line. Find two different discs that you like. You can't make a decision, and you're looking for an overstable or an understable disc. Lay them down on a table next to each other. Get down and look at where their separation line is and see where they are. And if you want a higher or more stable disc, go with the one that has the higher nose. And if you want understable, you go just with put the it in one. the oven. And shrink it even more. <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> that, my friends, is a life hack. If you want a more understable disc, just turn your oven on to about 250. You're going to want to pop that bad boy in there, but only for about 50 minutes. <laughs> Uh, Any longer than that, and it's going to shrink, you're going to have yourself a mini marker. Okay? Because that's what happened. It won't burn. I promise you, at 250, it will just shrink. It might smell bad. You might need a gas mask for a couple of weeks. But hey, you will have an understable disc. Yeah. That's a lot quicker than just throwing it at a tree a couple of times in your backyard. If you don't have a backyard, you can throw it right at the wall or maybe your siblings. Boom. Instant understable. Unless they're soft. Yeah, people, don't throw them at people. That's not a good idea. One, because it won't beat your disc up enough. It'll beat the person up, which is bad. Yeah, you should probably also avoid the oven. And don't throw it at walls. Why not just get out there and try and throw it? Great. You know you're going to hit some trees, because we all do. Or you're going to hit a sidewalk, and you're going to hit the ground, because the disc will always hit the ground unless it gets stuck in a tree. But it will inevitably hit the ground. All right, so back to the separation line, overstability, and uh, such. The higher the separation line, the higher the stability. To sum it all up, the better grade plastics are going to retain their initial separation line for longer because they're more resistant to wear and tear. Some of the higher grade blends, while they are more durable, their shrink characteristics uh, can make them more stable than the same mold of a lower grade because they shrunk less while they cooled. So if you want an overstable FD... So imagine Get it that, in an S line. So based off of what you just talked about and mm-hmm. what we were talking about before, um, as far as the second run FD with the bubbles yeah. in the edge, it being a stiffer plastic, having different cool characteristics. Now the thing is, it's got sl- almost you know, blizzard, right? Blizzard's the only other plastic that I've seen that has those more bubbles. Forward fade and better glide. So based off of what you'd said. What do you think the difference would be between 
So when it's regular shrunk, or a current run FD and a second run FD. So let me take that into consideration using what we're just talking about. Brilliant. Okay. Yes. So regardless of what made it what it was, the disc had more forward fade. Mm-hmm. So it was more stable. Right. So its cool characteristics would have meant that the second run FD cooled at such a rate that when it shrunk, its separation line was a little bit less than the current FD. But only a little bit. It would have to be such a minor difference. The cool characteristics would have to be just enough that it gave it a a slightly bit more stable. So that's what's going to lead to the forward fade. The more stability? The having the stability. Well, because the disc... But I thought it was... We'll get into that on another episode well, where... I thought that would be make it make it more... More stable? And fade. Make it, like, it, it wouldn't be the turn. The fade, like the cut at the end, would be greater. Greater drop glide at the end if it was more overstable. Well, the... It's the, an interesting thing. The fade is the direction... Too. The fade is the direction that it's going to oh, fall also when it's domier. done gliding. It must be domier. It would, it would have to have cooled differently than the current FD in order to have different flight characteristics. Yes. And its separation line and possibly so, uh, the dome of it would have to be slightly different. No, you were saying, so when it goes, shrinks in more like that, mm-hmm. it makes it more understable. So It, it would therefore it, have a little bit more dome. And it would have less fade at the end, more forward fade, because so it becomes more, more understable stable. on the end. And those are those bubbles all through the ring. Like yes. that's, it's only on the ring. So on one of our next episodes, we will absolutely cover how the weight and the distance between the nose of the weight and the base of the weight, the the line that that's in between there, how that also affects the turn, the inertia, uh, and the flight of the disc. Guys, one of the greatest things about disc golf is that there is infinite amount of form that you can fix physics that you can learn it's fantastic so yeah there's so many different ways to throw the disc it's, i think it, yeah i think i actually really think it's really interesting thing about that difference right there between the uh current run fd and the and the second run fd because the way that it would cool it would its shrink characteristics would be different because it was a different plastic but because they were all bubbles through the the edge in the shrinking, it actually has less density in the So edge. it was cooler, yes. And the difference and in density... stiffness everywhere else. Correct. And the difference in density also affects the amount of weight that's held in the rim. And the amount of weight that's held in the rim as it's proportionate to the rest of the disc affects the disc flight. But that, again, is for a further episode. So interesting. It's funny. I'm really excited for the next episode so, so I can learn even more about the disc. Yes. And as we learn, guess what, guys? You're going to learn too. Like, I wonder how metal flake affects it. So in that... Right, because it has different weight distributed differently. It's going to... Exactly. Oh, that was crazy. Son of a gun. All right. Mm. So, that concludes disc physics. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to do a player profile. Yeah. So, listen, I wanted to get... I didn't want to do my favorite disc golfer... I didn't think that you should do your favorite disc golfer. I think that because this is going to be a con- continuing is this a top thing. Five? We, top five? No, here's what I want to do. I want to completely unbiased. So I took some of the greats and I threw them together on a on a card 
and I put little boxes oh. next to them. And then I gave the card to my wife, who doesn't know anything. Listen, she knows that I like to write stories. And then I'll ask her weird things all the time. So she was compliant with this request. But I handed her a card with four names on it. And I said, babe, which of these do you like better? Just go with your feeling. Go with whatever you're feeling on this, right? And she looked at it and she's like, oh, hmm. She thought about it for a second. And then she picked a name. She was like, I was going to pick this one first. And she started going through it, right? So guys, listen, here's the four names that I put down. Philo Braithwaite, Nico Locastro. Sapu Paiju and Kevin Jones. Now these are all fantastic disc golfers, and I and as I was researching mm-hmm. the winner that she chose, I learned a great deal about the player. And guys, we're going to learn a great deal about these players together. Yeah, an unbiased review of a professional chosen by Josh's esteemed wife, who knows absolutely nothing about disc golf. Yeah, in fact, she when I told her, she was like, "Wait, those are real people." <laughs> I was like, yes. She goes, well, listen, you know, when I saw Philo Braithwaite, I like really like the name Philo, but like Braithwaite, I just, I don't know. Mind you, she probably thought that she was picking out character names for stories that I like to write. Anyways, she's like, Nico, I just like that name. And Lo Castro, it's kind of rhymey. She goes, Sepu Paiju, I like really like that name because it's different, especially when you put it like next to Kevin Jones. It just seems so standard she was like i'm like well sorry what Kevin. Do you, you you think he's like you what does that might have is been that better like if the, he might have added usa to the end or right like if that were a character would he have like learned how to play disc golf at a christian camp or something yeah listening to like electronic music in his headphones while he's playing but just blasting like 500 600 foot drives off the tee power crash hallelujah <laughs> Uh, but so Nico Locastro is the one that won the, the let my wife pick roulette. So uh, Nico Locastro, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Locastro. Let me spell that for you. That's at the little weird symbol that's like a spiral with a name in the middle. For those of you who don't know, yeah. K-Boomer, K-Pop. 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 Anyways, at Nico Locastro, at N-I-K-K-O-L-O-C-A-S-T-R-O. He was born in St. Louis, Missouri. He currently lives in Grass Valley, California. How old is he? However old you would probably like, you know, challenge 31, 32, 31, 32. He was born in 88. (laughs) Math, man, whatever. (laughs) He's a Virgo. We don't need to necessarily, is it, is it cool to put his birthday out there? It's on the interweb. Uh, well, he didn't put his birthday out there. I was just curious what his age was. 32, 31, 32, There you go. 33. Yeah. It's a magic number. Um, so, and he started... He started playing professionally in 2006. Uh-huh. So, actually, now listen, Nico Castro has a pretty interesting story. He grew up poor, mm-hmm. right? He's the oldest brother of a lot of brothers and sisters. Ten. Wow. Yeah, he's got ten brothers and sisters. Um... And he used sports as an outlet, right, to get out. He lived in a poor family, grew up poor. He he didn't like it. He said it took him a while to learn that growing up poor was actually a good thing. Right. Right. He There's an interview that we can put a link to that's really interesting that he talks about how he grew up. And his dad, no, I'm uh, sorry, his mom and his dad got a divorce when he was like three. Yeah. Like seven of the kids are on one side, three are on the other. He's got ten brothers and sisters. He used sports as an escape. Right. His first passion was actually skateboarding, but interestingly enough, 
Dave McCormack, David McCormack, the guy, the CEO, the owner of Gateway Discs, yeah. is his uncle. Oh, interesting. And he was a, yeah, he was a pro player. So while he was still in like, uh, I think the very first time that he went out and played, he was in eighth grade. His uncle Dave took him out to the course, played with him, and actually a year later, so when he started high school, he moved in with his uncle, the owner of Gateway Discs, and he found that disc golf, he was far more passionate about it. Uh-huh. Than he was about skateboarding. Skateboarding had been his number one escape. And he, so he started playing disc golf all the time. He started professionally playing in 2006. He's currently rated 1022 and he's had about 118 career wins. Right? One of the one notable thing that he's done was in 2009. So three years after he started. 2009 and 2010. He broke Barry Schultz's season winning record. As far as how much he had earned. 2009 and 2010 were pretty good years for Nicola Castro. In 2004, he started the Juniors League. And he advanced in that same year to the advanced yeah. category. So he went from junior to advanced in 2004. He stayed in advance until 2006 when he was sponsored. Now, the cool thing about Nico is Nico's a mixed bag thrower. He's always played for people that allowed him to have mixed bag. He's known for throwing a wizard. As his putter, he's always got a Firebird and in a Firebird. So pro Pro was in two thousand six. Started Pro two thousand six. So what was his rating then? Two thousand six. Nine forty one based 941. off of forty three rounds. So April when, of two thousand six. He crossed nine hundred. First time he crossed nine hundred was May of two thousand five, and then I guess you know, you know, nine hundred's a good start of rating. What did he start at? What year May did he two, start? Uh, May of 2003. 2003. So three years before he started playing professionally. One year before he started playing in the junior league. And what was he rated then? What did he start off rated? 823. Based off of three rounds. So help me out here. 823 rated player throws scratch or plus over par. 823. Is that over par? Is 1,000 rated par? 1,000 is par, yeah. Okay. So he's playing under par or over par. Over par. But not by a lot. Not by a lot. Right, plus two, plus four, the kind of yeah. rating. So in 2004, when he starts juniors, what's he planned? What, at the beginning of 2004, what's he planned? Uh, beginning of 2004, he was 828. 828. So by, by 2005, End of 2003, he was 828. And then start 2004, he was 828. And then so the end of that year. Start 2005? Yeah, start 2005, let's just say. They did it in May of 2005. So at the end of December of 2004, December of 2003, he was 828, and December of 2004, he was 885. So he went up 50, 60 odd points. Yeah. But he got a lot closer to scratch. He got a lot closer to scratch. Uh So he's throwing consistently plus two or plus one or par or under Almost a, yeah, that's a lot. Right? It's good. It's good. Uh Uh-huh. So he went from the Juniors League that year until the Advanced League. He stayed there until 2006 when he got sponsored. His so first sponsor the difference was between Gateway. December 2004 of 885 rating and December of 2006, his rating was 996. So he had gone up 110 points. 111 points. In his first year? In two years. So yeah, his first year of pro, but two years since his last... December rating. So, so, I'm trying so to check like, this out. Similar months. So what's interesting there, right? Mm-hmm. He started his pro career in 2006. 
He got his first pro win in a C-tier tournament in Olympia Fields, Illinois in 2006. He got his first A-tier pro win in Illinois Open in 2008. Interesting. Yeah. He also, uh, the next year, went on to win the national tour in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Memorial Tour, Uh uh, in 2009. And later on that same year, went on to win the uh, USDGC. Wow, Wow, that's impressive. Impressive in 2003 years what after year was starting. That? that was in 2009. Uh, um, and then wasn't he like, uh, I'm almost sure 2009 and 2010, like he did something. Oh, yeah, he said he broke the Barry Schultz. And then wasn't he, those years, I'm almost positive, he was also the MVP in the 2011 as well? Well, uh, or no, he, no, he, for he 2009, something. 2010, and 2011, he was the player of the year. Wow. 2011 was his third consecutive year. As player of the year. Well, dude, he's impressive. He's also a cool character to watch. He's always got his weird socks on, different haircut. So, end he of 2009. Is, he is a fashion icon. End of 2009. You know the guy who created the Christ, Benny Hanna, the Christ Air or whatever? Yeah. He's got this crazy life, Christian something, skater, right? That's what Nicolo Castro is. What that dude is to skateboarding is what Nicolo Castro is. Christian Caballero. Caballero. Christian Caballero. Crazy story. This guy's story is... is Dramatic, but man, he pulled through and he focused. This guy is a champion. Not that the other guy wasn't, but it doesn't sound like he kind of hardballed the way that we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> Nico Lucastro is a fashion icon. Check him out. He's yeah. wearing leopard print. The guy is so cool. But yeah, to, for to December, watch. December he throws a lot of anaheims. Okay, December the first year that he had his player of the year, he mm-hmm. had a rating of 1032. 1032. Okay, so he's over scratch. Uh, December 2010. Is ten forty. So in two thousand and ten, he actually went to the Japanese or the Japanese Open, Japan Open. It's in yeah. Tochigi, Japan, and he won there, uh, actually beating Dave Feldsberg. Wow. Who, if I'm going to throw a plug out here, I don't know this guy from anybody except his videos on YouTube. But well, if you like playing disc golf and time. you want to watch someone who is great at teaching you disc golf, YouTube Dave Feldsberg. Yeah. Just look him up. That guy has so many interesting and great things. He breaks it down like he was born to teach disc golf. Just watch him. He's great. But anyways, Nico LeCastro beat him in 2010. 2011 yeah. was his last year, or the third consecutive year of a... Uh, Player of the Year? Yeah, and his rating was 1044. So he was so he kept it above 1040 for his three three consecutive... Well, he's at a 10.22 rating currently. If you go to the PDGA website and yeah. look at his rating, he's currently, as of right now, last eight games or however the rating standard thing works. I've looked it up. It's crazy insane. Like, you got to be some kind of tax consultant to figure out how to do it. But anyways, he's a 10.22 rated player currently. He actually just placed second in the San Juan Swine uh, right under Philo. Mm-hmm. Philo Braithwaite, who won it. So... His, his uncle, David McCormack, Dave McCormack, uh, owns Gateway, and that's who he started his sponsorship with uh, back in 2006. He was allowed to throw a mixed bag. So in 2013, 2014, he moved over to Prodigy. He was still allowed to have a mixed bag. Yeah. 2015, he went into Trilogy, which is made up of Gateway Legacy and MVP. 2016, he partnered with Daredevil, which is this Canadian company, but they were just a partial sponsor. But he companied with them, trying to get them, you know, out there. He's a really good guy, it seems. 
one of the most well in two thousand just this year he's part he just announced literally just announced that he's partnering with Westside. So notable if you want to see something really cool. First of all, Nico Lacastro, when you watch him, he's got a lot of style when he throws. He's very passionate. He seems like the kind of guy that would get really down if he wasn't having a good game, but like would still fight through it and play. And when he's on, he's super on. And just last year, 2019, uh, he got an albatross. Yeah. Huge albatross at the USDGC. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. That's... A hole, it was hole 13. It's an 888-foot hole. It's the one where most people will lay up into this field where you can either take the safe route, which is down between these trees, and then you throw back over here, the, the pin over here, like you can see what I'm doing with my hands, off to the right. <laughs> the pin is on like a, a curb between... A parking lot. It's crazy. So some people will throw between these trees over the parking lot, which is all OB, and they'll land on this tiny little island, and they'll be able to birdie. But the risk is there. If you don't, then you get OB wherever you crossed over, and since where you're throwing is far back, and most of it is OB, you have to start pretty far back, regardless of your throw. So you make the mistake, you bang into uh, the parking lot, you hit the curb, and you don't make it onto the island, you're looking at bogey or par, because you got to take the stroke penalty. Anyways, he throws it in. He's back there where people are like, you know, daring to throw it up for Eagle. What type of throw? An Anheuser. Oh, that sounds like an okay Annie. Yeah, that was an Annie that was okay. She was fine. <laughs> and Annie okay. She was like, yeah, would you just stop with a song already? Dude. Every time you, okay? you see me, well, I want to know. <laughs> Annie, are you okay? Anyways, that was a great Annie. Uh, right in the chains, he ran it in like a madman. Not only did he run it in, but he like kept running. After he grabbed his disc out of the basket, he continued to run. I assume because the pin for the next basket is like in the direction he was running, or the the, the tee pad for the next basket, yeah. and like someone's carrying his discs, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he ran. Uh, he jumped out. He did like this leprechaun jump kick thing off of the chain. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, saw that. He was excited again. Super excited. Fantastic. And he ran a pretty good distance. And he ran the whole way, I think. I wonder, do they always run the whole way or do they just cut it short to show that they don't run the whole way? I don't think they run the whole way. I don't think... I don't they think, showed uh, a whole lot of his run. Well, he ran the whole way. He was excited. But, I, I mean, like, to the basket, yes. A lot of times the pros will run all the way to the basket. When Ricky Legs, Velociraptor Legs, yeah. uh, nailed that, you know, famous hole-in-one on that yeah. little island hole... He ran all the way there. Yeah. You know, Velociraptor knees kicking up. Rah, rah, yeah. All the way in. I mean, I would too, right? Yeah. I would run like that to anything if I could throw like him. I'd be like, did you see where they landed on the fairway? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> My God, how do you throw that far? I don't know. It's these legs. <laughs> Want to see him? I'm going to throw and then I'm going to run to it. Anyways. Uh, it was fantastic. It was noteworthy. Right now, let's talk about, uh, again, Nicolo Castro, at Nicolo Castro on Twitter. Nicolo Castro on Instagram. He's got about 25,000 followers. Great player. Great yeah. fashion. He does have great fashion. He's got, he's actually does a lot of really cool videos on Instagram. He talks to you. It feels very personable. Feels like he's talking directly to you. Seems like a cool yeah, guy. Yeah, I was watching uh, his In the Bag just recently um, because he's, isn't, he's newly with... Westside? Westside. Yeah, he just announced a partnership with yeah. Westside. He uses a crown as his, as one of his putters because it's a very straight line, very straight, controllable flight. Uh, 
His main putter was like a, a Kana or something. Yeah, his main putter was a wizard. He was known for throwing a no, wizard. No, I know, but not anymore. Now it's like a... Well, no, not anymore. Makana, I, I think. Otherwise, you wouldn't be like, what's his main putter now if it was still sure a wizard? Sure, he has a bard. A bard? Oh, yeah, a bard. Yeah. My goodness. Or no, not a bard. A west side. Well, maybe a bard. West side? A harp. Oh, oh, you have a harp. You throw a harp. Yeah. We should do a review on a harp. Oh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we should. A bard as well. I'll probably do a bard one as well, which is which mm. I find to be very similar to a harp with a little bit more speed and glide. And that's something that Nico Castro currently likes to play, um, throw with. This has been our segment on, uh, this has been our file, our professional file on the professional named Nico Castro. That's right. Thank you guys. This has been Annie, are you okay? And I'm Alex. Josh. And Alex. <laughs> <laughs> this is Alex. And Josh.